the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway on a Wednesday, the morning after election 2021. And that is what this is going to be all about today, an off-year election that has extraordinary impact, or will have an extraordinary impact and effect on the on-year election to come, the one in 2022, the one in 2024, and perhaps in elections beyond that. I will explain momentarily, but thank you so much for being with us. It is the third morning, the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2021, coming up on the program at 1010. We will talk with the president of the CPPA, that's the police, Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, Jeff Fulmer. If you don't know why yet, you weren't paying attention yesterday. If you do know why I'll be talking to him, you're going to want to hear that conversation. We're in trouble. Then also coming up this morning at 1035, we'll examine some of the national ramifications of the election last night in Virginia. We'll talk to Paris Denard of the RNC. That'll be coming up at 1035. So both of my guests, Fulmer and Denard, in hour number two, which leaves hour number one wide open. I do have a lot to say, but I am also more than willing to listen. So you can dial me in hour number one, particularly at 216-901-0945. I'm going as slow as I can on that. People still tell me I read the, the phone numbers too fast. 216, save it in your phone. They don't have to worry about it. 216 901-0945. Write it on a sticky note, write it on the palm of your hand, and then save it into your phone. Do what you got to do. You can also dial 888-281-1110. That's 888-281-1110. And we will get you up and on the radio. I want to start uh, this broadcast. Actually, you know what I really want to start this broadcast with, of course, is our Pledge of Allegiance. So let's do that before we get into the specifics 
of this morning's uh, monologue on last night's election results. So please, patriots, go ahead and stand and face your flag if you have one. Put your hand over your heart. Liberal voters, leftists, Biden supporters, AOC supporters, Terry McAuliffe supporters, go ahead and sit this one out. We know you wouldn't stand to support this country anyway. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. And I thank you so very much for that, those of you who participated. Um, How many people have read A Tale of Two Cities? How many people have read any Dickens at all? But A Tale of Two Cities begins, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And that is the way I will greet you on this Wednesday morning, the morning after the election of 2021. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It just depends on where you live. If you are a resident of the state of Virginia, and if you are a resident of the United States of America looking at a bigger picture, last night was an extraordinary success, and it was the best of times. And it was a brutal, brutal beatdown, a smackdown of the entire Democrat agenda. And that is something for which we should all be extraordinarily proud or of which we should be proud, and for which we should be extremely grateful to the voters of Virginia for doing this thing right. Terry McAuliffe is and was one of the sleaziest, slimiest, most unlikable reptiles of a candidate that you've ever seen. And he was, when he won the election eight years ago, and actually served four years as Virginia governor, he was even more slimy and disgusting this time around. He does not believe in the family. He does not believe in parents. He does not believe in unity. He does not believe in equality. He believes in the worst of humanity. And he expresses his contempt for everybody that is not, well, Terry McAuliffe in just about everything he does. But that is only part of the reason for his loss. That is only part of the reason why we are all celebrating the best of times this morning with the victory of Glenn Youngkin, which is an upset of enormous proportions, given the uh, makeup, the political makeup, the ideological makeup, the partisan makeup of the state of Virginia. Virginia is not just a little bit blue. Virginia is certainly not one of those states that's purple. Sometimes it goes red. Sometimes it'll go for the other side. No, no, no. Deep, deep, deep blue. Probably more of a navy blue than a royal blue. That's how deep and dark their uh, commitment to Democrats is. So when a Republican like Glenn Youngkin can rise up in that deep blue state that was so blue that it beat Donald Trump by 10 points 11 months ago, 12 months ago, I guess. But but last November, so 12 months ago, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in that deep blue state by 10 points. That's, if you'll pardon my language, that's an arse kicking. That's that's a seriously and expected blue state delivering massive blue results. 12 months later, and, and almost unknown, 
I won't say that, but 12 months later, Glenn Youngkin rises up in a blue state that destroyed President Trump last November, taking on a former Democrat governor who's ready for another bite at that apple and, and, and beats him. And, and relatively comfortably, it was close, but it wasn't like a, it's coming down to the last 500 votes. He won by nearly 100,000 votes in a deep blue state. What does that mean? What is the impact? Virginia just sent shockwaves through the entire political establishment all over this country. Because Terry McAuliffe didn't run alone. Terry McAuliffe, the slimy SOB that he is, did not run alone. Joe Biden went to Virginia for Terry McAuliffe. Kamala Harris went to Virginia for Terry McAuliffe. Barack Obama went to Virginia for Terry McAuliffe. What does that mean? What that means is the entire DNC platform, the entire Biden agenda was in Virginia for Terry McAuliffe. On a ballot in a deep navy blue Democrat state. And all of it was rejected by the voters. The Biden agenda through the person of Terry McAuliffe, was rejected. The Kamala Harris agenda, the DNC agenda, the squad agenda, the agenda of the anti-racists, who of course are the racists, the agenda of the CRT proponents, the agenda of the trans mafia, all of it was rejected in a deep blue state. Which means what? It means that agenda and that platform now must change. Not should, not likely to. I'm telling you, it must change if the Democrats have any hope of winning beyond this election in this off year, any more races. Holding on to the majority in the House, holding on to the majority in the Senate, getting more governorships. It all has to change because they put all of their far-left progressive ideas and ideals on that ballot next to Terry McAuliffe and said, we will win. And they expected to win. And they expected a victory there to be kind of, a, a kind of an underscoring of the popularity of their progressive movement. A Terry McAuliffe win, screamed the Democrats, was going to prove that all of the polls that showed Joe Biden sinking, that all of the American disapproval of the way things are heading in this country, 71% say we're headed in the wrong direction under Joe Biden, they believed that this Terry McAuliffe win would prove that all of that was hogwash. That Terry McAuliffe's victory, supported by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and former President Obama, would would have long-lasting ramifications. It would literally embolden their agenda. If you don't think that they think 
that's what was going to happen, then you probably didn't hear Kamala Harris in Virginia for Terry McAuliffe. Because you see, what happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024, and on. That statement, I guarantee you, she made with confidence. And the reason we know that is because she wasn't giggling while she made it. Anytime she is nervous, anytime she gets stuck with something she can't answer, she (laughs) breaks into her Kamala giggles. She made this statement without giggling. She made it with confidence because she believed what Biden believed, what Obama believed, what McAuliffe believed, what the DNC believed, what the squad believes, that the deeply progressive movement of the, of the, uh, the DNC and the Biden administration would be reflected in the results in Virginia and that those results would carry through next year. There will be no red wave, they thought. There will be no change of power in Congress next year because Terry McAuliffe's victory will spearhead the blue wave or the blue uh, the blue firewall if you will against that that uh, that red wave that Republicans are so anxious to see happen Terry McAuliffe's win will indeed carry through to next year and to 2024 she said because you see what happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024, and on. She had no earthly concept that the people of Virginia in the deep blue state, the navy blue state, would turn on that agenda, and that they are just as disgusted with the policies of Brandon as the rest of America is. Just as put off by the notion that we should separate ourselves by race, that we should... Um, uh, uh, embrace wokeism as our military strategy as opposed to military preparedness, that we left hundreds of Americans behind in Afghanistan to live under the foot of the Taliban, that our shelves are empty and our ports are backed up for miles, that our gas prices have doubled in a year, and are threatening to go higher, that our heating costs are going to go up by 30, 40, 50% this winter, that our police have been neutered across the country, and that violent crime is on a rise like never before, that our border has been erased, that our people are not working, that businesses are closing, that people are being mandated to take toxins into their body that they do not want, She never believed that the people would be tired of it in a blue state like Virginia, like they are around the rest of the country. They know now. They know now. And that is why they will have to change their entire outlook over the course of the next 12 months. And it will be up to us to call them at every hypocritical turn. So what an enormous win last night. That, my friends is the best of times. The victory for Glenn Youngkin in Virginia last night is the best of times. What are the worst of times of which I speak in a tale of two cities? And in this case, a tale of a state and a city. What are the worst of times? I will tell you right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Nine twenty four on this Wednesday. Thanks for being with us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. So, one final thought in the monologue here on the best of times, which is of course the Virginia outcome last night. Michael Knoll summarized this very well last night on Twitter. The election came down to one issue: education. But that issue had two aspects: broad concerns over critical race theory which Terry McAuliffe continued to dismiss as being fiction. It doesn't exist, and it's not taught in Virginia. The Virginia voters knew better. And secondly, a specific news report from the Daily Wire about a rape that, that had occurred and been covered up in a Loudoun County, Virginia school to protect that school district's trans bathroom policies. Those were the issues or the aspects of the education issue that drove those voters all over Virginia to reject the Democrat platform, to reject all of it. And I think that's a pretty good summary. Now to the worst of times. The city of Cleveland just committed suicide last night. The voters of the city of Cleveland committed suicide last night by neglect. They committed suicide by inaction. They killed their city by willful ignorance and a refusal to stand up and do what needed to be done. They ignored the threat that lay right in front of them. And now Clevelanders will pay for that with their lives. Literally, not figuratively, literally. This is reality now. By allowing issue 24 to pass last night, and what I mean by neglect and inaction is the pathetically low. What was the voter turnout in Cleveland last night? 17%, something like that? See if you can get me an exact number on that, Marcy or Johnny. But it was around that number. That means over 80% of the voters in Cleveland sat at home and refused to go out there and cast a vote. Which means the activists, the tiny percent of activists who hate cops and did go out to vote were successful in effectively defunding the Cleveland Police Department. What do I mean? I mean that issue 24 is going to destroy policing in Cleveland. We told you this before issue 24 was voted on yesterday that was going to destroy policing in Cleveland, that police officers are going to be unable to be effective at protecting the citizens that they serve. Because anything that they do, any interaction they have with a suspect, particularly if that suspect happens to be a minority, that leads to a complaint. All it takes is a complaint by the suspect in any encounter with police officers. That encounter, or excuse me, that complaint is going to now be forwarded not to the police chief for a review. It's going to be forwarded to a civilian review board that is going to be staffed by anti-police activists, people who hate cops. And then those cops are going to be judged by a group of anti-police activists, and they're going to lose their livelihoods. 
if not their freedom. This means that Samaria Rice, for example, and other cop haters and other anti-police activists will have the final say over any complaint of police misconduct, accurate or inaccurate, fair or not fair, any complaint, verbal, physical, lethal, it matters not. All complaints will go to this review board, staffed by civilian cop haters. And what is that going to lead to? Cops should flee the city of Cleveland and let the mess that was left behind them burn. And not only should they flee, they will flee. According to the CPPA president, that's the police union in Cleveland, at least 300 police officers will be gone by spring. They will resign. They will transfer to suburban uh, departments. They will retire if they are of retirement age. And Cleveland will burn in their wake. And that fire will have started with a match that they have lit, not the police, that the Samaria Rices of the world have lit. They, in effect, allowed Cleveland's police department to be defunded. I'm going to read a very short Facebook message that was posted on September 10th by Samaria Rice. If you don't know who she is, this is Tamir Rice's mother the mother that didn't have custody of her son and had no earthly idea what he was into at the time that he was down at the Cadell Rec Center playing um, wannabe gangbanger, gangbanger in training, and threatening people with what looked like a real gun because he removed the orange tip, which would have indicated that it was a pellet gun. We all know that story by now from 2014, and Samaria Rice has cashed in on it every step of the way ever since. Now she is one of the leaders calling of Issue 24 that calls for this review board. On September 10th, this is what Samaria Rice posted to Facebook. Too many, I'm going to quote it exactly as she wrote it, because her ignorance in language should probably be underscored. Too many pigs cops in our community. They are under train. That's how she wrote it. Two words, under train, as if beneath a train? Anyway, they are under train. They are simple-minded. I'm just going to let that one hang there. They are simple-minded. They are imposter. They are scared. Please know your rights. If you're a black pig cop, you are on the wrong side of life. Your black card is revoke forever. Dummies, you know I don't sugarcoat nothing. F all you pigs with a whole bunch of S's. That's how she feels about cops. She is going to be one of the people on the review board. Or she will be among those choosing the review board members. Would you wear a badge in the city of Cleveland if you knew that she was your judge? and potential jury, and potential executioner? Neither would I. Cleveland just killed itself. These are the worst of times. It's 9.32. I'll take your phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer.
goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I gave you that opening line from A Tale of Two Cities, uh, the Dickens classic. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit more of it just to underscore the point. Comparing what happened in Virginia last night to what happened in Cleveland last night. And also just because I'm a former English teacher and I love this stuff. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on on its being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. The lightness, the hope, the wisdom, the best of times, all happening last night in Virginia, and it will help all of us, as I explained in the the opening uh, uh, monologue. But the darkness, the winter, the nothingness, the incredulity, the foolishness, the worst of times is happening right here in Cleveland. I mentioned in the open that only 23%, or excuse me, I think I said 17%. I went ahead and did a little double-checking, and so did the team, and I got the full voter turnout numbers in the city of Cleveland and all of Cuyahoga County, in fact, by way of the Board of Elections. Now, as expected in an off year, it was very low turnout all the way around, but some of them came out in decent numbers. In Bay Village, 47% turnout. Uh, the eligible voters turned out. In Beechwood, 41%. In Bentleyville, 46%. In Brattonall, 38%. In Brexville, 37%. Brooklyn Heights, 60%. Chagrin, 44%. Chagrin Falls Township, 46%. Cleveland was down there at the bottom of most of these numbers. 23% of the people turned out with the future of the city on the line. And I'm not talking about Justin Bibb, although that part of this will prove to be very, very costly for the city of Cleveland as well, because he backed Issue 24. He backs the gutting of the police department. Oh, he says all the right things. No, we want to increase police officers, and we want to uh, decrease response times, but we want to make sure the rights of the citizens are respected when they get there. As if to say, of course, that they're not now. Uh, Justin Bibb joined Samaria Rice and the other cop haters in pushing for 24. Now, it passed, and so did he. And all because 23% of Cleveland's activists turned out to vote. 76% of the people of Cleveland who were eligible to vote slept through the voting yesterday. They didn't bother. And as a result, as I explained, Cleveland will burn. Lives will be lost. Because cops will flee, and flee they should. Knowing that anything they do could potentially be judged by the likes of Samaria Rice, who would put on a badge and work that city and walk a beat in the city of Cleveland, knowing that their fate would lie in the hands of someone like that? Someone with open hostility and hatred for police and so much someone without a third grade education, at least in the way that she writes. That's reality. Let's go to Tanya calling us from Akron on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Good morning, Tanya. 
That didn't sound healthy. Her phone went doot, 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 click. Yeah, I know she dropped. That's why I said it didn't sound healthy. Tanya, call us back. We'll get you up and on the air. Cleveland, Lindsay, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, Lindsay. Hey, I was just wanting to um, call in. My dad told me to um, listen to you guys this morning. Mm-hmm. And um, Your dad's my heart, is, my heart is racing over this, um, defunding the police and all that. Here, um, my uh, daughter went to um, Marion T. Seltzer with uh, Tamir Rice. And uh, he wasn't a good kid. Your daughter, your daughter you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, hold on. I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Your daughter went there with him at the same time? As Correct. Him? Oh, okay. Yes. So he knew him. She knew and, him. Okay. Uh, she was in his class. She, My daughter was quiet, mm-hmm. mind her business. But after this incident, she was telling me about how he wasn't a good kid. He put her his hands on an art teacher and just vulgar and just typical little wannabe thug mm-hmm. and it just scares me as a resident of cleveland that this is going on in the city and my husband and i we want to get out of here so bad what's but um what's what's stopping you and i don't mean that in any negative way i'm not saying but I'm, um, are you able you know, to get out or or what's the story we have we have money saved mm-hmm. up okay the um moving stuff it's just that um when we were younger, um, choices we made with uh, not paying bills were kind of getting back on. No, our I got you. Bad, you don't have to be personal. Credit. No, no, but I didn't mean that to be personal in any way. I just mean no, you know, cause, no, because I think there's a lot of people, Lindsay, like you, who are living in Cleveland right now, who see the handwriting on the wall. That that city is already suffering through another year of record high homicides. It's only November. There's still what, about sixty days, fifty eight days left in this year, and they're already pacing for another record number of homicides. And that's with 125 fewer officers than they have budgeted for. Wait and see what your city looks like when it has 400 fewer officers than it's budgeted for because people leave. People like you are going to be you know, wanting to flee the city. That's the only reason I ask, like, what's stopping you? You should probably get out now if you can. Oh, yeah, we're going to start definitely uh, looking out towards uh, in the suburbs by my mm-hmm. mom in Columbia Station where there's a better school system and all that. We had issues with the schools. I have video, and I showed the principal, kids screaming, calling me profanity outside of the, uh, from inside the school building. Wow. And wow. the school did nothing. So Cleveland is just a horrible city. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Well, you know, it's, and, um, it, it speaks to the decline of this city that 25 years ago, there were roughly 800,000 residents in Cleveland. Now there are barely over 300,000. People have been fleeing for years. And now that, as I say, the policing in that city is going to be completely unmanageable. Uh, there will be no law and order. The streets will be run by the gang members and the criminals and the thugs. People like you and, and, and others, like I said, if you can get out, and I don't care if it's to a far out suburb, like you said, or an inner ring suburb or an outer ring suburb, Meg, just get out, and nobody would blame you. This has been the trend of the last 25 years. It's only going to increase now that they're killing policing. Okay, and I want to thank you for um, everything you do. I only listened to your show a uh, few times. My dad calls me and um, tell, told me to put it on, so I had to listen, and I just, you know, thank you for speaking the truth, and thank you. Well, I hope thank, you have a beautiful you. day, and stay safe. You do the same. Thank you, Lindsay, for that phone call. I hope you call back again sometime and tell your father I appreciate the uh, testimonial there as well. 
Uh, look, I, you know, <laughs> it should go without saying here, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it to be sure. I take no joy in reporting the death of Cleveland. I take no joy in explaining and analyzing the obvious. I don't want the city that is the centerpiece of Northeast Ohio, which economically drives, in large part, the, the surrounding suburbs, because if the city of Cleveland is crap, most of the people living in the suburbs who work in the city of Cleveland aren't going to have jobs anymore in the city of Cleveland. It affects all of the surrounding suburbs. It's, it's, it's the hub of you know this region. I don't like the idea that it's just ki- that it just killed itself. I'm not enjoying talking about people leaving and how you should leave if you can. I'm just being real here. This is real talk. This isn't radio talk. This is real talk. I would say the same thing to somebody I meet in the street without a microphone in front of me. If you live in Cleveland, get out. If you have a job in Cleveland, find another one. Because Cleveland is going to die. A very, very, very painful death. And you know, and I talk to people about this all the time. I talk to Peter Kersenow about this. I've talked to Steve Loomis, who's a cop, about this. The numbers are not ambiguous. The majority of the people that are going to die and that are going to suffer the most when Cleveland is losing cops by the hundreds, the majority of the people that are going to suffer are going to be minorities. That's just, again, that's real talk. The numbers do not lie. The vast majority of violent crime victims in Cleveland are black. And the vast majority of the perpetrators of violent crimes in Cleveland are also black. These crimes are committed in black neighborhoods predominantly. The numbers, again, bear this out. This isn't an opinion. This is not a commentary on race. This is an acknowledgement of the statistics that show black victims, black perpetrators dominate violent crime in Cleveland. I ask you, when there are fewer and fewer and fewer police cars to be seen on the streets, fewer patrols, longer response time to 911 calls when somebody is being violently attacked and assaulted, what do you think is going to happen to those numbers? Those numbers are going to rise exponentially, or as Joe Biden would try to say, exponentially. That's just that those are just the facts. Black lives matter, right? I'll say yes, they do. Black lives absolutely matter. The organization called Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. But a statement of fact that black lives do matter, I will get behind every single time. It they do. And black lives are going to be lost because issue 24 passed last night. Mark my words. Not a prediction. It's a statement of fact. Let's go uh, to, wow, my friend in Houston, Will in Houston. Probably a bad day for you. The Atlanta Braves chopped their way to a world championship last night. How you doing, Will? Hey, brother. How you doing, man? You know, any other day, it, it, it would be a bad day. You know, the fact that the Astros lost the way they did, man. But I was just so happy watching the the election returns last night in Virginia and New Jersey. It, it, it made up for it. <laughs> it really, I'll tell you what, it's, it's going to impact Texas like you. It's going to impact Ohioans like me. No question about it. That was a massive, massive earthquake, a political oh earthquake God. in Virginia it, it was, last night. It was, it was amazing, man. And two, two points I want to make. Okay. Uh, number one, <clears throat> looking at, 
you know, because I, I, I can't watch MSNBC or CNN, man. I can't watch it, you know. But on nights like last night, I love watching it. I couldn't turn it off. <laughs> and, and you so, know what? I found myself doing the same thing, watching Rachel Maddow <laughs> have breakdowns and Joy Reid, watching these people. <laughs> it is, I, I it's fun. It I have to admit. Off, I literally could turn it off. But, but one, thing, one thing that I, I see, and, and I think that they just, they just don't get it, man. They, they, they are not realizing that last night wasn't about the fact that Joe Biden didn't, didn't you know, he hasn't gotten his bill or whatever. The last night was about people rejecting these off-the-wall, far-left, wacky policies. I mean, when, when you got a, a relatively nobody, an unknown nobody in New Jersey, it's, it's, it's literally, Bob, it's like people just walked in and voted for the guy with an R behind his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to reject what they're seeing from the Democrats, yes. the, the the far, you know. I mean, it's they've they've just gone off the edge. If there's a yes. if there's an ideological scale, and there's far right and there's far left, they're so far left on that scale, they fell off of the damn thing, and it just went exactly. back to it went back to to level again because they're off of it. It's just crazy. Exactly, and sadly, you know, if you you at some point in time, you you you're going to see the comments, and they they almost like they're doubling down, and it, you know, well, it's, the only reason why we lost was because Biden didn't pass his bill. No, man, it's it's a a whole lot worse than that and if y'all don't stop this crazy critical race theory crap and all of this white people bad crap you're going to get you're going to get the same thing happening over and over again but it's, it's some people got to learn the hard way Well, you know, the best part about it is since you watched MSNBC, you saw it too. But they're all on there trying to tell everybody that these Virginia voters that rose up are are idiots and racists and and, and dupes. And and yet, yet, these are the same Virginia voters that voted for Joe Biden by 10 points just 12 months ago. How can they be brilliant 10 months ago and ignorant racists today? That's and then, that's and, the and another thing. I'm a two quick, two quick things I want to get in. And if you think about it, the guy from New Jersey, he never mentioned critical. Ra- so they want to say, well, Youngkin won because he he denigrated the critical race theory story. Blah blah blah. The dude in New Jersey never mentioned critical race theory, <laughs> and he still still shook the world. He he never he, critical race theory was never even part of his his uh, uh, um, thing that he was pushing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, no, and no, the, you, your, your 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 larger point there is right because he's a, a, an unknown Republican. He didn't do it. Now, now, Youngkin, of course, uh, and and uh, McAuliffe debated this because of Loudoun County, because exactly. of the Loudoun County school boards and everything that happened. CRT was a huge part of that right. Virginia result. But you're right, right, it didn't play any result or any uh, um, um, have any effect whatsoever in that New Jersey result. And here Not we are, at all, man. and it did this that morning, and they still don't have a win. Their whole their whole narrative about the whole sort of CRT hey. thing. But lastly, last point, yeah. last point. Dude, I think Laurie Lightfoot became known because she was part of one of those council, uh, civilian council things over over the cops in Chicago. She that's that's how that's that's how she came to uh, came first started in this whole thing. She was part of one of those same kind of civilian oversight committees that y'all unfortunately. Are going to be victim to, and you see what happened. I did not know that, Will. I did not know that. I thought she came straight off a movie set with Michael Keaton, but I, but I did not know (laughs) that. uh, Hey, brother, I got to run. I thank you for the call. Uh, Great stuff as always. Appreciate that. Nine fifty three. Right back.
I think her phone dropped earlier, so I want to bump Tanya back to the front of our list now and see if she's there. Tanya, you got us? Hey, Bob. How are you? Hey, Tanya. Good to get good to get you back. Go right ahead. Sorry about that. So you call it the Charles Dickens. I don't think they read that anymore. It's kind of politically incorrect, like all the other books they don't read in school anymore. I so think you're, I think you're you right about to. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You have to dumb that down uh, a little bit. Yeah, you do. Uh, this is a kingdom battle. I think I've been telling you that before a long time. The darkness is against the light. And the Cleveland churches have failed our community for a long time. And Cleveland is going dark. And the citizens of, you know, if you are Ring City or Ring County around Cleveland, you better lock your doors and get a gun. Because when there's nothing there, they'll be coming into our communities. And, uh, Nothing like what, even in Wisconsin, they voted down their get rid of the cops thing. Austin did the same thing that Cleveland did, so they're in trouble. So your buddy in Houston is lucky. But we won a lot, but we have to look at the areas that we did not win. People are still trying to defund the police. Until we look like Afghanistan and Cleveland again in my lifetime, I don't live in Cleveland anymore. People will not learn. No. So protect uh, and, and yourself. Protect yourself whether you are in Cleveland, work in Cleveland, go to Cleveland for recreation, Cleveland. or if Travel you are even free. in a surrounding area. No, you're right, because once they run out of, of people to victimize in the city, they will indeed start moving outward, and including, quite frankly, customers. And I'm talking about uh, the yep. dealers, of course. And once their 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 clientele and their market dries up in Cleveland, they're going to come out further and push it in the places, and that leads to more violence. So, no, you're Tanya, you're a thousand percent right. People need, and thank you for the call, to arm up and load heavy. And I'm not trying to fearmonger here. That's the left's deal. I'm being real here with you. Again, this is real talk, not radio talk. You're going to have to protect yourself particularly in Cleveland, when the response times go skyrocketing because there just aren't any bodies, because they ran fleeing from a review board headed up by somebody like Samaria Rice. And who's going to defend you when the cops aren't around? You know, the old saying is that when seconds count, the police are minutes away. What happens when those minutes turn to, you know, half an hour or three-quarters of an hour? Who's going to defend you if it isn't yourself? And the truth of the matter is you have a better chance of defending yourself, depending on the circumstances, with force and being judged, if need be, by a real jury than a police officer would in trying to defend you and being judged by a civilian review board headed up by an ignorant cop hater like Samaria Rice and her friends. (laughs) You don't think you're going to have to take security into your own hands. It's time to study up. 10 o'clock, news time now. We're going to talk more about this with Jeff Fulmer. He is the president of the CPP, uh, CPPA. That's the police union. He says over 300 cops are going to retire, transfer, resign, flee Cleveland if 24 passed. Well, 24 did pass. We'll talk to him about that next. Michael.
Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.